All right, welcome back to uh, another episode, a weekly discussion episode of Inside Flicks. This is a podcast where we talk everything in the world of movies. We do like to talk about television from time to time, but mostly we mostly we stick with movies. All right, so let's talk, let's just dive in. We're, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about some of uh, some uh, topics that happened in the last couple of weeks. We're also going to give our thoughts on the new Jennifer Lawrence raunchy comedy. Uh, no hard feelings, um, mm-hmm. and also some of the things we have watched recently. I don't know, maybe some random stuff that we have watched. We'll give our thoughts on those things. But let's let's talk about some of the headlines or some of the the news. Let's just dive into the Comic Con news. Comic Con is coming up this this summer. I mean, like it's coming up pretty I? fast in a couple of weeks in San Diego. As always, it is probably the biggest event of the We're year. Going, right. No, we're not going. <laughs> I, 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 oh, okay. It's it's. I I don't know. I don't feel like I don't know. Ever since Twilight, ever since I I, I don't know. I, they sell. They sold out. You know, on a personal level, they sold out. Yeah, Honestly. Twilight. Twilight ruined the con. No, I, I would no, say. just all these. No, it's not Twilight. Yeah, I it mean, was. I know. I mean, come. I I, re- I remember what what ruined the con for for you guys. Okay, and it was like when it's like when those lines got like excessive, like yeah. impossible. Yeah, yeah, right. And also, and you know, you know, no, but I remember, you know, when it was started, right? Like you remember it was the first time like we got in line, and then we were like, wow, we waited all day and we couldn't get in. Iron Man. Yeah, it was the MCU. The MCU ruined Comic Con. Oh, okay. No, no, but it was it was uh, Twilight. The- yeah, it, Twilight is is when everyone it became mainstream. Started to pay attention to it because it, Comic Con has always been there and it's always had uh well ever since the 90s it it, it did movie pr- um, you know movie presentations there also mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um it wasn't until twilight that um that that it it boosted uh the intention because all the mothers came in with their ki- uh, daughters and kids whatever to go see the twilight presentation and that became so huge um, that, you know, the line went, uh, you know, across everywhere. And that's when the news started to pay attention, the entertainment news. Mm-hmm. And then, then all of a sudden Hollywood started to pay attention to it. And that's when it started getting huge there, bigger than, you know, it started becoming more of a, of a cans presentation. So it was twilight that started that, um, that the cur- opened the ears to, um, to, to the entertainment world. And uh, how long was that? That was like 20 years ago or something like that. So it's, <laughs> yeah. since then it has, you know, become a huge commercialized thing where, you know, I, I don't, I, and it look, it's, 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 even if I wanted to go to the comic con, it's, 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 it's hard to go. It's hard, hard to get to. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we, we went when there was Sam Raimi, <laughs> Spider-Man, we went with the James, uh, James Cameron's Terminator. We went when, no when Arnold Schwarzenegger was there with X-Men. I mean, yeah, X-Men. Uh, yeah. X-Men and uh, Hugh Jackman was there for, um, uh, for, um, what's that? Um, Van Helsing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And also Holly Berry was there for Catwoman. <laughs> oh, yeah, all uh, the greats. <laughs> Yeah, so we were there for uh, Constantine, uh, Keanu Reeves version. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was there. Uh, We were there for the great uh, uh, Resident Evil apocalypse with the one and only uh, the 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 horrible uh, Paul W. Anderson. (laughs) I remember the first Comic Con that I saw a a major celebrity there was 
Jean-Claude Van Damme promoting um um uh, um what was it? The time travel one. Um Time Cop. Time Cop. And seeing him in true life going how small? God damn, he's short. Yeah, he's a tiny man. <laughs> he's a tiny man. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that was the first film. And, I mean, that first was, major that was, celebrity. Yeah, uh, that, that I saw in real That's life. That's when, like, in, that, in was in, that was in San Diego. Yeah. And that was when they still have, like, the first floor, right? Did they have a second floor at that time? They always had a second floor, yeah, for the presentations. Like, uh, the Spider-Man one, that was the um, Ballroom 20, I think uh, it was, something like that. Yeah. And then we all went to see uh, um, Tenacious D when they finished. Yeah, that was the first, like, one of the first years of the Hall H Open. Wait, when they... is Tenacious, was Tenacious D promoting their movie, The, the Pick of Destiny? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay, so we were they there. They promoted then. it for, like, three years. So we've been there for a very long time. We've been there, going there for almost decades. But now, I haven't been there for at least 20 years or so, or 15 years or so. Maybe, yeah. maybe 20 years. The last but, time I went, was it wasn't, I guess relatively not now it was a long time ago i guess now but by this point now it was, it was a long time ago mm-hmm. but i went when um they uh they did presentations for um for the first shazam and for aquaman mm. and uh they, they did what else was it I, one of the lego movies i forgot which one it was that was this was the warner brothers presentation and um fuck man getting into hall h I remember having to like sleep and like outside, <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> leaving, really? the, leaving the ho- leaving the hotel at like four in the morning. <sighs> that, that, that's ridiculous. Well, I mean, the the, 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 price, the prices for ho- that the prices for hotels are even more ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we, me and Rich used to go there until since the nineties, and I remember going there, and uh, um, I guess it was the Buffy castmates. Mm-hmm. Why, you know you, you, you go upstairs and you could see them taking a break you see the celebrities take a break and have a smoke break and they, mm-hmm. I remember w- w- watching them uh, getting a smoke break and it's, I'm like shit it's the cast of, the, of Buffy and that was like 40 years ago or something it feels like 40 years ago I don't know how long that was no, yeah. no like 25 years ago I guess um so what's happening now, though, Rich? I mean, people have, you know, and now it's people have uh, scheduled their time. You know, nowadays well, now, you, you have to like. Well, now getting ahead. your tickets for now getting your tickets for Comic Con is a lottery because when I went, mm. it was a it was it was it was it was like I like I just said it was a lottery, and I remember the the worst thing of all, like I got up early and I had um. I remember uh, having uh, having my uh, computer right, mm-hmm. and like getting up, uh, getting everything ready, like uh, like maybe an hour before tickets went on sale, and being in just a waiting room, like a digit, like an online waiting room, and then once tickets go on sale, like it's just like you, they you're just chosen at random if you're able to buy tickets, and the thing is like you want to go in groups, right? You want to go w- with your friends and stuff, but it's very kind of complicated because everyone has to have like their specific like member id their member number so it's like um yeah you have to basically have like everyone there at the same time so Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating and complicated to even plan in advance yeah and it takes forever it takes it takes a year a couple years in advance 
people have to take no, it's time just off a year in advance. Right? Well, I mean, it takes you gotta take time off of, off of work. You have to yeah uh, get a get a you know register a hotel room or all that stuff and get all that stuff ready. Maybe rent a car. You gotta get all that planning. Now they just announced, and like we're saying, it's only a few weeks before before it starts, and they just announced that. What what did they just announce, Rich? That Marvel, Netflix, Sony, HBO, and Universal will skip this year. So basically, there's going to be nothing there for <laughs> for fans who've been you know who who's been going to the Comic Con, who loves these Hollywood presentations. They're really not that much to to watch. I mean, I, I'm I. I I'm sure there's going to be independent science fiction films or genre films that build up, be there to promote their, you know, but it's going to be some of the lower non uh, studio films that are going to be promoted there, right? Well, we're not sure if it's, I mean, uh, it's still up to grabs that if Warner Brothers are even going to make it too, because uh, we're not sure if this is, this is the most likely because due, due to the uh, actor strike. Um, oh, no, no, no. So, the writer's strike. Or I'm sorry, the white the writer strike. So, but and there might be a, and, and a, there a possible, might be there's a possible actor yeah, strike. The, yeah. yeah, yeah, that might be coming up. So this this is likely because of that. Mm. Um. So, it, yeah, this is going to be very minimal at, at at best. I mean, there there could be um. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually they do show up, but they they don't go for a presentation. So they could just go to the the, the tables themselves and mm. walk around, so like, and do signings and stuff like that, just to promote that ways. Um, because the tables are going to still be there; they're going to still yeah. be promote. They're going to be promoting their the the you know the hell out of their shows and and the movies. Mm-hmm. But the actual actors and the presentations won't be there; won't be happening in Hall H. Yeah, I still think you know TV is going to probably have a big. Um, presence at comic-con mm-hmm. i imagine um there'll probably be a, a um maybe a higher emphasis on gaming this time around and um there'll still be a couple movies i i don't know what i mean what are all the studios that have said no already that they, that they aren't going um marvel which is disney okay. basically netflix sony hbo and wow. universal Who's left? I mean, there's Warner, Warner, Warner Brothers, um, Amazon, Lionsgate. Uh, they're, they're, they're still saying that Amazon will be there with the boys. I'm not sure if that's going to change, but. Um, yeah, I wonder if there's going to be a lot more uh, presentations on television rather than movies. I mean, are people going to promote the, the, the new TV shows that are coming out in later that summer or the fall? Um, well, I remember uh, one of. One of the Comic Cons I believe that I went to, there there was like a huge like presence for Amazon, mm-hmm. like in their whole their whole TV world. So I mean I I, I think like they were mostly like focused on the boys and like Jack Ryan. Mm-hmm. So um I I imagine they'll probably just focus on focus on those things. And um does CBS say they're not going? They is, is like a Star Trek gonna have a presence there? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's Paramount, I guess you would say, or Peacock. Yeah. I mean, oh, is Paramount going? Yeah. I mean, we still don't know. Hmm. Uh, not 100%, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're, 
We're scheduled to go. Well, let me ask you this. Is Comic-Con still relevant? I mean, especially when now that every week, well, I mean, every week there is a, a convention somewhere. It may not be in San Diego. It may be not be in, in Southern but California. It's different. But- it's, it's different, though, because a lot of these conventions, you know, that we have weekly, they'll have panels and stuff for the movies and stuff and, you know, presentations and all. But it's mostly like reunion panels and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. Comic-Con is different. You know what I mean? Comic-Con in Hall H, you got Hall H where you're making these big announcements to the world. You got people sleeping overnight, you know, to get in there. It's a big deal. And, you know, it's a giant auditorium. How many, how many, how many people does that place fill? Like 5,000 people, Hall H? Well, let me go ahead and give you whoever's on schedule right now. All right. This is according to the um, San Diego blog right now. On Thursday opening night, nothing in movies, but television, ghosts. That's oh, all they hey, got. That's a big hit. <laughs> yeah. Thursday, as ghosts. Um, on Friday, nothing in movies announced. On television, it'll be The Continental. The that's Continental? Oh, the John Wick the, spinoff series. Yeah. That's on Saturday? That'll be on um, uh, Friday. And nothing on Thursday at all? No. Uh, movies? No. It was the Thursday was uh, the, the, the ghosts. On, Satur- on Saturday, <laughs> this, this is even worse. Now, movies, Saturday, now, Saturday used to be like the biggest day of yeah. the whole convention. Yeah. All on the movies, movies nothing yeah. announced. Oh, wow. Television. Heels. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's for Saturday? And Sunday, absolutely nothing. Oh my God. That's for Hall H? That's what that's just for generic every everything you know. And we're like we're literally like only three weeks away or two weeks away. Yeah. I mean, this should be already packed to of 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 schedule, you know, people scheduled they are it should be already announced. Wow. All right. Wow. Not attending. This is already uh confirmed. Um, uh, uh, confirmed. Lionsgate, the film side only. Okay. Lucasfilm, Marvel Studios, Netflix. Sony and Universal. Well, there you go. It's a crapshoot for Warner Bros. because they really need to uh, promote Blue Beetle and uh, the Flash. <laughs> I mean, promote the Flash Blu-ray at Comic Con. This could be their time now. This could be it. <laughs> so they haven't. Uh, Warner Brothers have not announced that they're not going. If they are, if they're, if they, they haven't have really not, announced if they're they going, have not or announced not if they're going to show up at all or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, they they. They got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, to oh, promote and, and okay. Blue Beetle. So they, could, they could definitely, and of course, Aquaman too. But. No, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is gonna, uh, Paramount. Oh, it is? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's going to be exciting Comic-Con for people who bought tickets already and made, made plans. It's, they're going to see wheels or no heels. <laughs> they're going to be able to yes. see heels on Saturday. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of openings for that. Uh, people get mm-hmm. first, first come, first serve, I guess. Um, <laughs> let's uh, t- talk yeah, about... People go, people go to that just so they could ask Stephen Amell um, uh, arrow questions. <laughs> yeah. He's on that show, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's, oh. I think it's second season. That's probably what they're promoting. Um, I guess we got to talk. Let's talk about a little bit about this AI stuff. You know, people have been complaining about this AI um, a sequence, title sequence for the new series, Secret Invasion, which is the new mm-hmm. D- Disney Marvel series that stars Samuel L. Jackson. 
Uh, the the reviews on the show have been kind of mixed. Some really like it. Some probably think it's too slow. It's more of a spy thriller than a kind of a comic movie. But this this title sequence has uh, you know, they came out and said that there was some some of it some of it was done by AI and people had took offense to it. Now, what's your thoughts on this AI business? Well, I haven't seen these opening credits, so I'm just kind of confused by the whole thing. It's just um, like, it, it looks like a typical uh, title sequence for a TV show, you know? Nah, I think it's quite ugly. <laughs> okay. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you have, Raymond, let me ask you, you have any kind of uh, experience with AI? Have you been using AI? No, I haven't. Um, uh, I don't really know what to think about it uh, i don't know much about ai so like i kind of look at it kind of negatively mm-hmm. uh, because in my mind it's kind of like you know a human can't a computer can't necessarily replace what a human can contribute right but at the same time you know just speaking about ai and how you know the current writer strike you know a lot of the screenplays that a lot of these writers in hollywood feel like screenplays that could have been written by ai <laughs> so i mean um you know, that's a discussion to be had. Well, let's also talk about the, the writer's strike and how, because I think part of it, of this kind of hoopla, is kind of contribute to the writer's strike and how much they focus on the AI aspect of writing and how much they don't want AI to be part of the writing process. And I think that's part of the kind of discussions they have in with the studios to come up with a deal. But Again, I think a lot of people don't maybe understand what AI does. And I think AI, to me, AI is a tool that that will help you, you know, to write or to, you know, come up with imagery. Uh, I mean, you, I, I think you, Ray, you talked about how, so, you know, that kind of, you were, you were amazed by, you were amazed by that Wes Anderson uh, um kind of spoof on uh on what a star wars films you know like kind of you know they've been wow, doing this like a decade ago <laughs> no 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 I, it was something recently or no no ghostbusters it was a ghostbusters right oh the, okay yeah, yeah, yeah was it west anderson i don't remember but yeah we, uh, we've seen like a bunch of like ghostbusters i think we saw ghostbusters if it was done by um the robocop director the um paul verhoeven paul verhoeven yeah there's so there's been yeah. people doing stuff like that where you know, here's a Wes Anderson version of Star Wars, or here is a Robocop version of, of Ghostbusters, or here's that is actually quite creative. Well, I don't, I mean, it's, 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 it's quite good, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and then I think it could inspire real artists to come up with things. And, 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 you know, again, I think I see AI as a tool. Rich, what's your thoughts on this whole AI business? Um, I kind of agree that it's a little lazy. I mean, it's just, um, uh, but it's, I mean, it's just like, I mean, back in the day, it's probably like Wikipedia. I mean, back even farther back, it's probably like, uh, what's those, um, uh, those yellow books, um, cliff notes. I mean, it's it's, shortcuts. You're saying there's like, these. they're they're all shortcuts. It's all shortcuts. It's just, it's just the ease now. It's just, you know, it's the new age. I mean, it's it's the ease of shortcuts. It's just, and it could be an, uh, you know, an an assessment. That's all it is. And I I see AI is kind of like the same process or the same, uh, um, I don't know, the same evolution as like, say Photoshop, you know, like, you know, all artists 
our drawing on Photoshop, the program. Now, someone could say, why they're drawing on the computer when they could really draw on the, on paper. Aren't, aren't you, you know, <laughs> aren't you mm-hmm. messing with the paper business or whatever? You know, like once they, yeah, it's, I think with technology, it, there's always a, like this fear that it's going to take people's jobs and, uh, um, take businesses away or, you know, destroy industries. But it, I think ultimately it ends up changing the landscape of, of, of business and how people do stuff. And I, I think it's always an adjustment. And I think this just is another example of, of people being scared of something that just eventually is going to happen. And people are just going to use AI as a tool. And it's, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been using AI a lot and I'm very impressed. You? <laughs> I'm very impressed by that's the stuff they could do. And how new it is. Oh yeah. 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 I'm 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 excited of what it could bring because I think on a on a on a on a personal level it could help people it could boost people's uh, uh, creativity like before you like like say for instance special effects you could use AI to kind of do the the, the smaller jobs and 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 I think if you're a small independent company you could actually boost your the the workflow a bit with the help of AI. So I see it as a, as a positive. Um, but I don't know, maybe people just don't understand it or maybe, and you know, rightfully so that maybe they're scared of, of what it could do. I, um, I saw the first episode. I tried to watch the first episode of secret invasion. Mm-hmm. Sadly, I was so bored and I, uh, I stopped it and I wanted to go back and I go, you know what? I don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> so, Maybe the the bigger story here is that Secret Invasion, I don't think it's doing that well. And it has Samuel L. Jackson. It has a big cast. And I don't, I don't really hear anybody really talking about it. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just another sign for, you know, the MCU is kind of losing their, their hold on, on, the, on the culture. But, uh, Rich, you saw some of Secret Invasion. Yeah. Um I just decided to stop too because um, you fell asleep. <laughs> and uh, well, we tried to watch uh, it. I mean, we tried to like because I thought we were going to talk about it, but yeah, it's but, just so uh, I don't know. It's so I knew boring. I knew two. The most of the critics got two episodes, mm-hmm. and everyone was um, saying it was just meh. And uh, I, I was I'm, so disappointed by Samuel L. Jackson's performance. He it really seems like he's walking through. We saw five minutes. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Like, That's true. That's true. I don't know. It just feels like, um, but yeah, I'm hoping it's, it's up to Andor level Andor level because a lot of, a lot of the same, you know, so-called critics, uh, says Andor, you know, was very slow too. And, and I love Andor and, uh, so I'll give, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I just want, um, more episodes to be available to them before I go back to watching it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because there's only six. Uh, yeah, it's only six episodes. Um, well, speaking about Disney Plus and what's available on Disney Plus, we actually saw the Stan Lee documentary, which came out a couple a couple weeks ago. And I mean, p- part of it, it's like kind of a homage to Stan Lee and his mm-hmm. legacy. And they, I guess, I would say it's not you know it's not groundbreaking, right. but um, it definitely does a good job of like kind of conveying to the the points in his career where he makes, you know, the most accomplishments in his career. It does a good job of that. It has really great access to a lot of good 
archival footage and photos and stuff like that. Yeah. So that all, all that stuff was kind of really interesting. Uh, there was some recent kind of news after the, the release of the, of the documentary that um, Jack Kirby's son, who came out and really bashed the documentary and saying that Stan Lee, you know, he doesn't like Stan Lee. Uh, there and you know they touched on it on the on the documentary that there was a fight between them two, and um, you know Jack Kirby's son he's standing up for his father and sure I mean look Jack Kirby is like a iconic Marvel artist and he doesn't get as much attention that than Stan Lee does, mm-hmm. and I think Jack Kir- Kirby's son has a point that that he needs to be recognized, but I think to go after this documentary i don't know maybe maybe uh, uh, there's a there's a valid uh uh, criticism of that but i think it does a good job of kind of highlighting their 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 argument Uh, i thought it was uh, yeah i mean i thought the 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 documentary was informative uh about stan lee because it is about stan lee it's not not really um it's not all marvel it's it's Stan Lee, the man himself, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the beginning. So it's a lot more of his life and 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 on how he started. That's the most um, uh, that was the, that was the most uh, impressive part to me. In, anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, he started very young and and he became an, uh, a member of the writing staff and then mm-hmm. eventually he became an editor editor in chief and really by just being the last man standing he was able to climb up the ranks and and then he he, he was able to uh turn marvel to what it is now but I, yeah yeah it, it wasn't it was definitely not a, a total puff piece like most documentaries right um but still it wasn't it wasn't it, they, they, they could have done better kind of highlighting some of the Jack Kirby or even other, you know, St- Steve Ditko did a, did an appearance in the mm-hmm. documentary. They talked about Steve Ditko. They could have really highlighted some of the, the discussions about who credit and who deserves more credit or what they could have really kind of talked about it. But again, this is a d- documentary about Stan Lee. And it's going to be on his side, no matter what, even though, yeah. even though he's not, you know, Stan Lee has departed. And he's not, you know, I don't, I don't think this is done by his, I mean, I'm sure there, there's approval by his, his estate, but I don't think he got, they got final cut. It's really just, I mean, at the end of the day, it is promoting Marvel comics. I would suggest to watch, uh, the Robert Kirkman documentary, the, the, he produced a documentary about the, the relationship between Stanley and, and, and Kirby kind of the, mm-hmm. they're falling out. That was a good right. one. I don't remember the, what it was called, but it was like a, a special or some kind. Yeah. The Secret History of Comics. It was a TV series. One of the episodes was on uh, Stan Lee's fight with Jack Kirby and their, their riff together. So I kind of, I like that. So I, I would suggest watching that. I mean, I think that was a pretty decent ep- episode. And a, a decent documentary series, too. All right. So um, Raymond. Yep. I did not watch the Stanley Lee <laughs> Okay. Uh, wh- is there anything uh, you heard or you read about you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is true. Uh, it probably is because it was on Reddit. And every time <laughs> I read something on Reddit, it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when it comes to movies and leaks, 
Uh, that's it's true. Okay. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, there are a bunch of leaks online right now for uh, Fantastic Four, and I thought it was very interesting because like uh, the people that you know online that usually talk about the leaks, they're all kind of freaking out. They think it sounds amazing. I think it sounds like you know complete garbage mm-hmm. like i think fantastic four sounds like it could be like the next ant-man and the wasp quantumania because it basically sounds like it's a sequel to quantumania <laughs> um but uh yeah i want to talk about it a little bit i want to hear your guys's thoughts okay um i mean the, la- the, the last thing i heard the about the fantastic four too yeah what well the last thing i've heard about the fantastic four is that the cast was going to be adam driver as mr fantastic Margot Robbie as uh, Sue Storm. Oh, I forgot. Uh, something. Um, Davy Diggs. Davy Diggs is going to be um, the thing. Uh, who's the other guy? Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul Mescal? Is that his name? Paul Mescal? Mm-hmm. Who's uh, going to be Johnny Storm. And But I also heard that there's going to be. They're not, maybe it's not going to be Margot Robbie. It's going to be Vanessa Kirby. Is that possible? I don't know. Honestly, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't I don't really care who they cast. Okay. Right. okay. <laughs> Especially so after your, hearing what your... the movie is going to be about. <laughs> okay. So if, you were... if they stick to this. Okay, so you're really just focused on the story leaks. So, okay, tell hit us yeah. with the story leaks then. Okay, well, supposedly, and uh, it starts off kind of cool. Supposedly, the movie opens up in the 60s. Oh, okay. And uh, the, the, the Fantastic Four have to go on a mission. Uh, the mission involves them going into the quantum realm, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. basically the whole movie is about Kane. Oh, wow. Like Kane, um, Kane is probably like has just as much screen time in the movie as the Fantastic Four, so it's, it's like Quantum Mania type of thing. Yeah, and I guess the whole movie is supposed to end with with like Kane being like vanished, like he's punished by being trapped in the quantum realm. Basically, send, setting up Ant Man, Quantum Mania. Oh, oh wow! And uh, like the, but the Fantastic Four have to do this whole sacrifice, where they have to, um, where they end up in like an, an alternate dimension, and they they're gonna basically end up in the modern day MCU in the end of the movie. So the whole movie is oh. like gonna be a whole thing with them and Kane in the quantum realm, and then eventually, you know, ending up in our world. Well, that sounds like. A ridiculous idea <laughs> especially especially after ant-man's uh the in the wasp quantum mania was such a critically you know panned movie and fans mm-hmm. don't seem to really enjoyed it and, and you know, i guess it did i did yeah i did i did it better than a lot of some of the comic book movies this year it did better mm-hmm. than the dc movies yeah but, so. i mean marvel um was always a step above when yeah. it came to box office they won. They won over the audience. They slowly kind of won over the audience that did it right. Whereas DC was always kind of switching direction, yeah, which so, I think hurt them. I mean, obviously it hurt them. And I think uh, Marvel, but did, did, to compare to other Marvel movies, uh, Quantumania did a lot less than they thought it was going to do. And it also and it got, cost two hundred million. And also, you got the whole controversy with what's going on with Jonathan Majors. We don't know what the what's the outcome for that. He's going mm-hmm. on trial as we speak. So I would think that they were going to ditch this. I mean, if this is true, they're going to ditch this, uh, this screen treatment, screenplay treatment. I, I don't know. I, I, I wish I would never have gone 
to the quantum mania after watching quantum mania i wish they'd never go back to that fucking place again that is such a boring <laughs> boring place it's just so it's so stupid uh um but i don't know rich what was your thoughts on on this kind of p- potential leak on the story uh, yeah, I hope that's a, a lost draft. <laughs> and uh, I do like the idea of like starting in the sixties or whatever. But me too. Sure, sure. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, I rather just stick with the um, if they're still doing multiverse bull crap. I mean, I would, um, uh, I mean, have um, Reed Richards uh figure out a way to uh. Like they're stuck in the, the, not the molten, I mean, not the, you know, the same time thing that they did in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, uh, but the, the other, the other big leak, and you'll, you'll love this, Mike. <laughs> uh, the, the other big leak is that we're supposed to have in the movie a lot of, um, multiverse kind of cameos okay. from the 60s. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we're going to have like an alternate Howard Stark and an alternate, like, um, you know, um, Hank Pym, but when, you know, he was younger mm. and stuff. Yeah. I'm so done with the multiverse at this point. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah. you know, as much as I love Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, some of the things it I was really, too much. yeah, some of the things I hate about that movie is how the, how it ended and it kind of ends on a hang, uh, or what's it called? A, um, cliffhanger cliffhanger the ends on a cliffhanger i kind of i, I kind of like the ending for, though for me it's just kind of the middle in the middle there's just like way too much and i feel like it could be really trimmed down i almost feel like i because i get the idea of the story that this movie's going to be i get the idea where they're going in part two mm-hmm. for the most part and i feel like they could have done this all in in one movie oh like, i don't i'm sure yeah sure yeah yeah definitely but like, I, there, there's a i look i i liked all the cameos and fan service but there was too much. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't necessarily care about the fan service stuff or like these cameos. That's fine. It's just like the idea of the multiverse and, you know, like multiple versions of the character. I just, I'm just really tired of it. And so once we get to the end and once we get to the cliffhanger and the promise of what's coming up, I was not excited about it at all. Where the thing I liked about the Flash, and and although I do agree that the Flash is a the lesser of the two movies, I do like the way they treated the multiverse there, where it's really just a time travel film, and where uh, uh Barry is trying to patch up what he fucked up, and he's but it's literally just one timeline, and you know yes we get multi multiple versions of Barry, but it. It and also there's you know an alternative timeline, but at least it it felt a little bit different. It felt like a, a more of a time travel film than than. It than, did feel like a time travel film, but I, it's still a multiverse movie because even the way maybe the way they explain time travel is it's it's in the way that you can interpret it in different ways. Because mm. the way I saw time travel in Flash, or the multiverse in the Flash, was that each <laughs> we're going with their analogy <laughs> that each uh, string of spaghetti. It's basically like a world or a planet. I forgot what, how, how we got to this point. Oh, yeah. Fan, let's go back to Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, yeah. Multiverse. <laughs> and, 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 and how much I, I, and how much I really I'm tired of the multiverse. So you're excited for those Howard Stark cameos? No, no, I'm not. And also, I think, you know, because I'm tired, and I think a lot of people are tired of the multiverse, and I think people have been 
publicly publicly expressing that. Um, I think the the sequel or the next chapter to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, what is it, Beyond the Spider-Verse, which is coming out, I believe so. coming out in a couple years from now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think once that movie comes out, I think people are going to be extremely tired about the multiverse, and I don't think it's going to be yeah. a big hit. I mean, that's my hot take. No, but, but, um, like, I, I don't know, me and Rich were talking about this, like, I think last week or something, but, I mean, Deadpool's going to be huge, man. And Deadpool's going to be a <laughs> full on multiverse movie. Deadpool has, Deadpool 3 is going to have a, if the, if the leaks are true, Deadpool 3 is going to have a very similar plot to The Flash. Except yeah. I think The Flash is going to maybe kind of do, do it maybe even, even better. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, I, I guess, my minor possible future leaked spoiler for Deadpool <laughs> 3. But I mean, supposedly, you know, we're going to have uh, evil versions of the X-Men in that movie. It's going to be like the X-Men joined Magneto instead of, uh, instead of uh, Professor X. Mm. And that's, that's a huge selling point. I mean, that, that's going to get everyone in the theater. We're going to have Deadpool and, uh, and Hugh Jackman teaming up a bunch of evil X-Men, a bunch of multiverse shenanigans. That's perfect for Deadpool. Yeah, and if, if they're doing it in a meta way where they're actually making fun of the multiverse and all the tropes of a multiverse, then I, I'm on it. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board. But if it just continues to do, you know, like how, you know, how they've been doing it with a bunch of cameos and not necessarily important to the plot line, then I think it's just going to be another failure. I don't know. And also, you got to remember, it's directed by Sean Levy. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, Sean Levy's taking over the, the directing. And, you know, and that might mean that the, there's going to be more of a focus on the comedy. But um, I'm not, you know, I'm, the big, I'm not the biggest Sean Levy fan. And he's a hit and miss Me kind either. of guy. He's more miss, I would say. Yeah. And I think he's actually a better producer. So maybe, you know, maybe, you know, like he produces the the Stranger Things series, and I'm a big fan of the, the Stranger Things series, so I like his producing work. But as a director, I think I haven't really loved his films at all. <clears throat> I I do like uh, Nan, uh, the original Night of the Museum, but um, I like well, Free Guy enough, but uh, I didn't love it, and I, I should have loved it. And I'm that's what that's what worries me. I hope I don't watch Deadpool three because I love the first the first Deadpool and the second Deadpool. Mm-hmm. I don't want to walk out of Deadpool three. Like that was good. I liked it, but I don't love it. And I feel like I should. <laughs> and, and Sean Levy's the type of director that could, that could cause uh, something like that ha- to happen. You <laughs> yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Um, let's, t- you know, just speaking about cross the spider verse there, there was this story about the animators who, um, who had a hard time. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, working on the film and there yeah, was a, i guess uh was it phil lord or chris miller that was giving them a hard time it was phil lord they're, they're basically the most the most of the it's ire. the same it's it's the same problem uh ju- just because I, I love uh phil lord and chris miller and when i first kind of read these like kind of uh the, the headlines i was kind of worried like oh no and then i read kind of deeper into it and i'm like okay i mean i i understand what went wrong and you know it's just a creative process, really. It's this 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 whole this whole this whole same problem happened with uh, the South Park video games because they were they were making those video games over a, a long process, mm-hmm. 
and it would take them a long time to animate all these like video game moves and stuff like that. And then Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they, they wrote the games and they would write all the lines of dialogue and everything that happened in them. And they would constantly have to reanimate it and redo everything. And it, those, those games kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And it seems like that's the exact same problem that's been happening with this, these Spider-Man movies. Yeah, and I also, I also would say that uh, Phil Lord, who, who was also working as as the mediator between his bosses, you know, I guess Amy Pascal, the executives, the studio, their changes, and also his own personal changes, uh, and so it just extended the working pro- or the the process of the film. And but th- th- I think the the damaging. Uh, um, you know, a uh, story or, or the part of the story was that he, for some reason, he went, he uh, made the animators do the full animation to, to, to basically to the very, not to the very end, but like went on to like do multiple versions of sequences in full animated form where you would do, you would normally do this process through like, storyboards or you know you know yeah lots a lot less uh you know full you know uh lots lot a lot less on the like kind of last stages of the animation and so if if it frustrated a lot of animators and i think they say a hundred animators quit it was like a really tough tough uh project to to manage and again this really goes on to what and, I was... and that's that's very surprising to hear coming from um from a guy that uh, that really got his career started in animation yeah you think he would because he, he know a little he bit better get yeah. this right yeah i know he should know the kind of the ins and outs of of a of an animation production and maybe that's because of the time crunch maybe this movie had a release date and so they're just going for it but i i don't know i mean who knows if it, it, it doesn't look good for Phil Lord. I mean, it really seems. I mean, again, he's an executive producer, and he. It seems like he had final say. Where, and we didn't. You know, from the from the article, we don't even hear what the directors thought of this. You know, because they. It really seems like the directors. There was three directors on the film, and it really seems like they didn't have like final say. It was really Phil Lord who had final say. I would. I, I should say that Chris Miller was not a part of this uh, process. He was busy with something else. So oh, he was um, doing the after party or something. I guess so. I guess he was directing that stuff, or he was off doing something else. But he was not part of it. And if he did come on to the project, he would just pretty much just you know came in as a as a executive producer's uh, duties. But n- never much. He was not hands on like Phil Lord. So it was really the Phil Lord problem here, or at least uh, the frustration. And again, and, and then they said that that animators were uh, frustrated. And, but I think the, the, the biggest thing I got out of the articles, like beyond the Spider-Verse is not even like worked on, or, you know, the, there's still a lot to do with beyond the Spider-Verse. And even though it has this release date for March, 2024 of next year, they say there's no way it's coming out next year, or at least not, not coming out in March. And so I'm like, wow. So if they're going to push that back. Are people going to care about that movie once we get all these multiverse films? Well, what I, I suppose the movies do we have coming out though? I mean, we're saying <laughs> the rest of the MCU stuff. No, I'm, but I mean, uh, but I mean, uh, Fantastic Four is not going to come out for like 
Oh, that's true. Uh, who knows how long? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean that movie's screwed when that co- when that comes <laughs> along. But I mean, uh, this year we got uh, Miss Marvel, the Marvels. Yeah, I don't know if that has a multiverse storyline. It might, but mm, what else is there? Well, you like you were saying the uh, uh, Deadpool. Um, well, that doesn't come out for a while either. You don't, you don't think it's going to come out in uh, 2005? Or, or, or 2025? Two, yeah, 2025. Well, that's a while. <laughs> yeah, I don't think beyond the Spider-Verse, uh, from at least from what I'm, I'm, I'm getting from this article, I don't think it's coming out next year. It's probably coming out the same year as Deadpool 3. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Uh, and I'm just saying, I think, I, I, like I said, I think people are just really frustrated and tired of the, the multiverse stuff and... You know the 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 way the way things work out more more than likely, either Spider Man, uh, Spider Man three, or uh, and Deadpool three, they're going to come out like a month apart from one another, and one of them is going to do really 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 good, and then the other one is going to do even better because because <laughs> of the success of the previous film. Yeah, I well I, I agree. I think so. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe Deadpool three will come out, and then that's going to be a massive success, and then Spider Man will come out a month later, and it's going to be even bigger because it's a family movie, and it'll get all the all children and everything. Did you want to know this, the the uh, upcoming comic book movies? Is that what you're asking? Sure. Blue Beetle will be the first one for uh, August 18th, and uh, Craven the Hunter October 5th or 6th. All right, yeah. The Marvels mm-hmm. November 10th. Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, December, Christmas. Next year is Madam Web, as far as we know. Oh, yeah, that's kind of a multi. That's a multiverse movie. Mm-hmm. And then Beyond the Spider-Verse, March 29th. No way. No way, yeah. Deadpool, May 3rd. Next year? Uh-huh. Oh. I think that's getting delayed. Uh, Captain America, Brave New World, August 26th. They should just cancel that movie. Well, they're shooting it, right? They're shooting it. They're near done. Uh, October 4th, Joker, uh, Folly Adieu. Mm. And December 20th, Thunderbolts. Okay, yeah. I'm, that's the one Marvel movie I'm kind of curious about. I'm looking forward to that. That Captain America movie, man, I, I think that's going to be such a massive, massive failure. But we'll see. Let's get into our review of Jennifer Lawrence, new movie, new comedy, no hard feelings. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so um, I guess I was I was expecting this movie to be like complete garbage. I hated the trailers for it. The trailers didn't work for me at all. And um, I I don't know. I just I was I was not expecting anything good from this movie. And I went to go watch it, and I thought it was all right. I didn't <laughs> think it was great. Um, I think I might be maybe. Um, more positive on the movie than you two, probably because my expectations were lower. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think this movie kind of reminded me of like an early kind of two thousands Fairly Brothers movie, kind of like a a shallow Hal, a shallow Hal mixed with a uh, a heartbreak kid because it's got a little yeah. bit of the raunchiness. Yeah, heartbreak. Kid, a yeah. little bit of the raunchiness of heartbreak kid, but. It doesn't fully get there, 
but it does still it, it does still have like a lot of that kind of uh raunchiness but also sweetness of like a shallow how and um jennifer lawrence is fantastic in the movie the, the kid in the movie is really good um the first half of the movie is super funny i think and i think the second half is a bit more a bit more heartfelt and stuff but that's all right and um Overall, I I probably say it's a it's a really good rental, but I think people should go see it in theaters just to support R rated comedies because it, it'd be nice to have a return mm-hmm. of these of this subgenre of movies. Now, when you say uh, it reminds you of, um... it also reminded me of the Mick, the TV show oh. on Fox. Uh, but you said you said it reminded you of um, the Ben Stiller um, Heartbreak Kid, right? So you're saying that it needed more. Carlos Mencina. <laughs> uh-huh. It just needed more kind of big gags in the second half. Yeah. I and mean, you know what? What's another unfortunate thing? And this is, look, this is not the movie's fault. It's, it's a marketing thing. And I understand marketing movie. It's hard, mm-hmm. but the trailers ruined a lot of jokes. Yeah. Like there, there That's, are so many jokes in the movie that I don't think worked at all in the trailer, but in context of the film, I thought it was like, oh man, this is a good bit, but I already know, like, I can see it coming because oh. the trailer spoiled it. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And yeah, there were so many moments like that throughout the movie. And I was like, how, I, it was a little frustrating at times because it's like, there are really funny moments in this movie that are completely spoiled by the trailer and they weren't funny in the trailer. So it's like, why did the trailer's just spoiling all these moments? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I got out of it too. I mean, when I, I go, oh, all the good, funny parts because I, I actually thought the trailer was funny and loved the trailer and I, I, as I uh, watched the movie I was like oh, you know what all the funny parts are in the trailer and but you're, you yeah. have another reaction saying well it was ruined because you thought the in the movie it was funnier um, I think there's there's a lot to like about the movie it's not like like there's I didn't hate this film at all I, I love the idea that there's a generational gap between what, what Jennifer Lawrence, who is now in her thirties, she says that in the movie, I think she just turned 30 and the 19 year old. So there is a generational gap there. And even though I see Jennifer Lawrence as, you know, a young woman, <laughs> she is now in her thirties. And I like that she is kind of growing older, older. And I like how this movie is speaking to that kind of generational gap between those two generations. Uh, I wish it was just went a little bit more deeper, went in more kind of, um, you know, aside from a couple scenes, it was pretty much a tame. I thought it was a little bit tame uh, and it could have yeah. been much more darker. It could have been more, more, more edgier. But, but I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I have, I really, after watching the movie, I think that the, the writer and the directors, they were really trying to go for like a Fairly Brothers tone uh-huh. and the Fairly Brothers, I think are kind of experts of um, balancing, um, you know, raunch and, and kind of heartfelt, kind of heartfelt moments and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think they were trying to do that. I just think they got a little overboard when it came to the sentimentality and stuff. Not that they did it bad. It's just, I, and it's like, I, 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 during the second half of times, I almost feel like the movie forgot that it was a comedy. (laughs) And, um, but I think uh, like maybe part of the problem was that the movie was just a little too long. Maybe if the second half was a little, tighter maybe the maybe the whole movie will play a little better i don't know and for those who don't know i mean no hard feelings is a movie about jennifer lawrence she plays a down on her luck uh woman who is 
trying to save her house. Uh, she is a Uber driver. She gets her, her car gets uh, repoed. And so she's looking for a, a, a more, you know, she's looking for a job. Well, she has a job, but she's looking for more money to save her house. And mm -hmm. she answers this uh, ad in the paper where a couple of rich uh, parents. It was a Craigslist ad, right? I think so. Yeah, it was. Yeah. A, and so she answers this ad. Oh, yeah. I said the paper. That's just me being old man. <laughs> well, you think Craigslist is pretty old, right? I mean, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. So she answers this ad. She, uh, it's an ad that was uh, published by this uh, very rich people or a couple, Matthew Broderick, and I forgot the the other woman, uh, but she's in TV a lot. Uh, she's very funny too. Um, and they're looking for a woman to date, you know, quote unquote, date their 19 year old son who's on his way to go to college. It's it's the summertime, so he's on his way to go to college, and he is played by a guy named Andrew Barth. Feldman, who is from uh, Broadway, he's uh, he's from that one mm. uh, stage, uh, <laughs> the one they made fun of in the TV or the movie version. Um, Dear Evan Hansen, so he plays the title. <laughs> he plays the title role. I guess I don't think he's the original uh, star of that uh, Broadway because mm -hmm. I think the the guy who plays in the movie, I forgot who, um, you know, the original actor, uh, I forgot his name. Um, but you know, who's in yeah, the movie. That's like a grandfather now, right? <laughs> Yeah, the, the guy they said that he was too old to play in the movie. Anyway, so this guy uh, took over that role, and I guess he was a big deal. He's like, uh, he's a big deal. I mean, there's uh, there's actually a um, he sings in the movie, which he you know he sees that he you see that he has like a singing voice, which I thought was very sweet. Uh, Rich, what was your thoughts on on uh, No Hard Feelings? Um, yeah, I agree uh, with both of you about the the film is is just okay, and a lot of the 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 funny parts were shown in the trailer. Mm -hmm. um, I thought uh, the actors all involved were pretty good, mm -hmm. and um, I I kind of wish that some of the actors got more um, parts, especially um, Eben Moss uh, Bacharach, uh, from, uh who plays the the tow truck driver, um, who, who's also in Beef, of course. No, the uh, bear. I'm sorry. Yeah, the bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, who's also in Bear. And uh, the scene stealer, Kyle Mooney, uh, mm -hmm. who shows up. Uh, um, I don't agree uh, with that. <laughs> well, I, I, I thought he, he, um, there could have been a storyline with him, another better, uh, better storyline with him. But um, I think they could have expanded that. I mean, they could have if, if this was a Fairly Brothers movie. Yeah. yeah. I think that would have been a nice, nice kind of back and forth between Kyle Mo Mooney's character and Jennifer Lawrence's character. Yeah, yeah, he could have been like the 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 antagonist of the film. Yeah, it could have been like the the Matt Dillon of uh, "There's Something About Mary." There's something yeah. about Mary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he could have he could have really worked in that way, and they could have also. I like the movie. I overall recommend it. Like I was saying, I think the movie, and you guys probably agree, it's like a rental. Yeah, definitely. It's like a, a rental type a, of movie. This is a Sony film, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is definitely going to go on Netflix because Netflix has a deal with Sony. And I think it's going to mm. be huge on Netflix. I think this is going to be like number oh, yeah, one. Absolutely. And I think this is going to catch on as a, maybe become a cult comedy. Uh, I mean, but I look, hope it's doing but okay I, but in I hope theaters. Though, yeah, but I hope that people, what I was trying to say is that I hope that people do actually still go see this in theaters. Mm -hmm. I would still recommend going to see it in theaters. I just, you know, maybe don't expect one of the funniest comedies ever <laughs> or whatever. Right. But I mean, 
it's it's good enough and i think you you like the characters by the end of the movie and i think that's all all that you could really ask for for this type of movie Mm -hmm. yeah but i also want to go back to um another scene uh another actor that i really wished had more roles in general Mm -hmm. is uh scott MacArthur, who um uh, who, who plays the Sort of like the brother-in-law kind of the one who's dating uh, Natalie Morales. Um, we know him from the Mick. Yeah, he's and, fantastic. Uh, he's guess, a funny, funny actor. Huh. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, Mike uh, Raymond probably knows him from the Righteous Gemstones. Um, but yeah, he he is one hell of an actor to look at, and I really hope he's he's get some, get some he's parts. Got the, <laughs> he's got the voice too that could, uh, could he is could, a, the, he could be the next Bill Murray if if yeah. I mean, or something you know. There's something he about deserves. Him, know, he he, he deserves better shots in some other uh, in other films. I mean, I mean, he, he's got that graspy voice. Could be a great uh, character actor too. I mean, a uh, uh, voice actor. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's just it, it's it's he is one that I wish people would um, hire more. I would just and I would say that just basing on his performance in the Mick, because I think the Mick, the TV series, which was a short run. I think it only lasted maybe two seasons or so. Mm-hmm. And that was from the producers of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And it had that star. I forgot the star's name. Who's uh, from Philadelphia? Kaylin Olsen. Yes. And she's, uh, she's, the, she's the main star of that. And I, I thought that, that show was fantastic. And there is, you know, like you were saying that this feels a little bit about the Mick. It feels like. It's because the, the, the character that Jennifer Lawrence is playing is very similar to the character uh, Kaylin Olsen was playing on that show. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's a train yeah. wreck of a woman, and, and she's trying to... She's an under, underachiever, and she's, but she's, like, she has a heart of gold, too. You know, it's like you don't hate the, mm-hmm. uh, the character, or the, you know, yeah, the character. But I will say, and this, this, is, this is very strange to say, because uh, The Mick, I think, was a... I'm pretty sure it was, like, a rated TV-14 sitcom. <laughs> but I feel the the Mick was more shocking than this movie. Sans one episode oh. or one sequence in the movie, and 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 no hard feelings. There's yeah, one well, particular yeah, well, sequence. Except, well, it's not in the the we won't spoil it, but the beach sequence and there's like two big back to back gut busting laughs in that sequence. It's, mm-hmm. That's a that's the best thing in the movie. But um, but the Mick though, like. There was like so many shocking gags in, in every episode of that show that I was like, I can't believe they're getting away with this yeah. on television. You had kids like and uh, using the f word, and they were just mm-hmm. muted out. No, but there were like kids like getting seriously injured. Like didn't the, like the boy like chop off his hand in like yeah. the first episode yeah. or something like that? Yeah, that's what this movie needed. It needed to go that that hard. It needed to really take things to that that's you know really ridiculous level and dark. And it just didn't. It was like too shy to do that well i think the first half like especially that beach sequence that we kind of referenced like it definitely that feels like straight out of the mic like right. <laughs> but it's 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 when they try to go the kind of fairly brother route in the second half where they kind of they didn't get that balance right and also i think that second half could have been a little tighter but i think it's still an overall thumbs up movie okay let me ask you about the kind of the conversation that that came after this movie, and now that that people are having it about the age difference and all that shit, and that, that they were kind of have this moral take on on Jennifer Lawrence's character that she is a older woman and she's trying to seduce a younger man, and people are talking or using or at least using this this topic as a way to kind of 
I guess I would say clickbait some of their articles and, and use it as a way to kind of d- demolish the movie and maybe I don't know, point their wag their finger a little bit. And I I I, I don't know. What was what's your feelings about this this kind of discussion? Because it is having a negative well, effect on well, the movie. Well, to be honest, to be honest, before I saw the movie, that's kind of what I was expecting the movie to be, and I thought it was strange because um. Because when I went into the go- when I went to the movie, I thought it was, I thought this whole movie was bizarre. Because I thought it was essentially two parents trying to hire a woman, yeah, to have sex with their seventeen-year-old son. But when I saw the movie, and I was like, "Oh, he's nineteen. <laughs> he's an adult. He's not even eighteen. He's like he's an adult yeah. going to college." I'm like, "There's, there's not, there's not weird. It's just, I mean, there's a, it's a strange age difference, but I don't, I don't." I don't understand that argument at all. Really? Well, it, it, yeah, and you would—it's the same argument that they had, they had with uh, liquid licorice pizza, but that was actually oh. an underage kid in the in that movie. Yeah. So that and, and the that, movie was actually kind of like that's kind of missing the point about that movie. Yeah, and I I don't understand. I mean, again, and the, that movie also had the same kind of discussion afterwards. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I I I'd hate. To, it's not like these, these 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 both of these movies are kind of promoting this kind of behavior. They're really showing no, you I, that this this movie this is not the way to do it. And I I I feel that the, you know some of these uh, cultural critics are using a lack of empathy when they're, they're discussing the, the kind of the morality of the film because they're, they're I don't know. Sometimes it feels just f- fucking pandering to to a certain audience. It's really to me it really feels like a dis. Disgenuous, disingenuous because they're really just trying to get clip clickbaits, and maybe it's working because we're yeah, talking. All, about I it. think all these critics should watch one of my favorite 1980s dramas, Paris, Texas, starring Harry Dean Stanton, where Harry Dean Stanton is married, or, or, or and part of the movie is is married to uh, uh, N- Natasha uh, Kinski. <laughs> Well, and her character young. was like 14 years old yeah, in the movie, yeah, and yeah. Aaron D. Standing was like 50 years old. So I mean, there was a, there's um, a they should long, watch that movie. There, there is a long history in in Hollywood about kind of these age differences, but yeah, I, ever since like The Graduate, I mean, and, and yeah. also, I mean, um, you know, even, even risky bi- risky business. I mean, uh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, good yeah. point right there. Yeah, so, I, I I just that's what I'm saying. I don't like the kind of discussions on this this stuff because it really borders on censorship or at least a a watered down version of trying to tell these stories and i i, I you, they're they're really kind of promoting a a milk toast way of telling stories like this and and i think people i think people are smarter they they understand that this is not a you know when they're what what Jennifer Lawrence is doing in this movie is not a uh uh, uh a promotion or it's not like a, a approval or, or suggesting that, that she's in the right. Uh, she's a messed up person and yeah, the, the lack yeah. of empathy. But so from, is, so, so, so is the boy. Yeah. He's and, too, he's, I think, and I think, and the most really like the most messed up people in the movie are, are the parents. And, 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 I, it, I and it, it's, it's a movie. I mean, it's not real life. It's not Aaron Taylor Johnson or, or, or Hugh Jackman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You mean the age difference there? The huge age yeah. difference in their real, real life spouse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, look, I, here's another thing. They kind of, they, they wanted to bring up the whole idea that the, that the dude, the, the kid in the movie, 
like he's part of the autism spectrum. I'm like, oh. that's no way is in the movie. And like someone points that out. No, like, that that's that's such a bad faith argument or crit- criticism. Mm-hmm. And I that's I, like looking less looking for things to criticize in the movie. Yeah, that's like wanting to hate the movie. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. I think. There's such a lack of really understanding or a lack of really examining these. And, and look, this is a silly comedy, so there's not much to examine. But, but for, for instance, Li- Licorice Pizza, which is a f- movie that has grown, has grown on examining. me. Yeah, it's a movie that initially I didn't like. But it like, has to be examined. Yeah, but it, it, for, it, it forces you to examine it. And it's a movie yeah. that I didn't necessarily like at first. But like all Paul, T- Paul Thomas Anderson movies, after watching it a couple more times you and thinking about it, it does you dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And you finally, you know, realize that, Oh, the movie is pretty decent. Our movie's really great. Isn't that, you know? isn't, that the, isn't that one of the great things about Paul Thomas Anderson? It was every now and then you watch one and it's like, ah, I didn't, I didn't really love it as much <laughs> as I thought I would. And then you just keep thinking about it. You rewatch it after a while. And then you're like, I think I was wrong about this. movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I had with, with I, licorice I, pizza. I had yeah, I had that reaction with uh, the master. I, I uh, the first time I watched, that, I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about this movie. And then I went to go see it again the next day in theaters, and I was like, No, I was wrong. <laughs> but but over the time, over time, just watching the master over the years, I've, it's just become I think my like my favorite one of his movies. Well, in the same year as with Licorice Pizza came out, I, my favorite movie of that year was uh, a movie called Red Rocket. Which also <laughs> had controversy about oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's also... Same, a, same topic. And also a... Uh, um, a com- I would say it's a comedy. You know, and I, I would say... Very dark comedy, though. Yes. And then uh, and, and, uh, the main actor, Simon Rex, who, you know, was this really... They're nasty. <laughs> really was a, a, a star-making performance by him, a comeback performance by him. And he, well, I thought he should have... Don't you think that uh, Scary Movie Three was that star making performance? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe this is the second act of his career. But I, <laughs> I thought he should have got an Oscar nomination, and possibly should have won. But the controversy. He got a spirit, right? Uh, I don't know. I think this movie was so uh, overlooked, uh, uh, overlooked because of and and the and, controversy. Well, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to blame all of it on the controversy. Well, but it didn't help. It didn't help. And I don't think it forced people to really look out, uh, look for it. I thought it was an amazing film. And well, no one, no one gave Licorice Pizza a, sh- a chance, but I don't know if we can necessarily blame that on the subject matter or just blame that on the fact that Paul Thomas Anderson's movies have just been becoming very um, kind of polarizing movies. You know what I yeah. mean? He's, he's, his movies over the, over the past like decade have become very challenging. And I think... Um, while a lot of people can appreciate his movies, I think that it is his audience has just gotten smaller with each film. Well, I, I love his movies, but I, I mean, I think that maybe, you know, Licorice Pizza not being this, a, a huge success, you could blame more on, on, on his movies just being challenging. Yeah. And also he is getting older and maybe the, the younger demographic of, or the younger movie. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if they... his movies was never really for, for the younger demographic. It's, yeah. it's for, cinephiles and stuff yeah film fans and it's it's funny because like red rocket and licorice pizza came out around the same time and they both uh had a multiple articles written about the the morality of those those two movies and i remember like going okay so what's what's the big deal let me hear let me hear what one of these critics let me hear what these cultural critics and i read a Mm -hmm. huffington post article and let me just get to 
let me read what they're about, they're saying about the, these movies because I, I do like Red Rocket a lot. And I was reading it, and it's just like it's just like nothing. They were just pointing out the controversy, and this I think all these articles are written the same way. And they're saying, oh, there's a lot of people on Twitter who are talking bad about this movie, and this brings up all the you know the 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 you know the problem the problematic uh, leading actors and or not actors but characters, and you know they you know address kind of what the movie's about, and they they go into what. And they, they quote people from Twitter and fuck this Twitter shit, man. <laughs> but they quote <laughs> people from Twitter and I'll go, okay, where is the, your, your kind of genuine, you know, examination or, or, or gripe about the movie and they never get to it. They just kind of announce it as this is what people are saying online about these movies. And, the, and, the, and then they have like kind of the most, you know, sensationalized headline in the, in the, in the he- header. And I'm like, this is bullshit. And I look up the, and for this particular article, I looked up the, the writer. I go, all right, let me see. Let me look her up. I, I won't say the name, but let me, let me look at the, the Twitter. Let me, look, let me go on the Twitter page. And on the Twitter page, right away, it was like, it's Sunday, it's Sunday night. It's time for succession. So this person had no problem with succession. We're a bunch of rich fucking assholes. And in the first <laughs> season, there's actually one person die, you know, it's murders somebody. In the main character, you know, in the main character. And the, so this motherfucker who's writing this fucking article has no problem about succession, who I think are much worse in the, in the context of these two, you know, movies about these two characters. Much worse and much evil and much sedacious and, and, and just horrible. Yet, well, okay, can I interrupt you really quick? <laughs> okay, that, I'm, I'm done with my rant there. <laughs> Go okay. ahead. Well, well, all I wanted to say is, like, I, I, I never watched Succession. I, I, I kind of want to. Just, I, no, I, 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 I watched the first I, season. It's, it's good. It's good. I haven't continued it though. But no, but, but what, I, what I want to say is, like, I, but I, I know the type of characters in Succession, <laughs> and the characters in Succession are no different than, uh, you know, Simon Rex's character yeah. from, um, exactly. From uh, Red Rocket, yes. Uh, the only difference is uh, they got Trump money. <laughs> they got they. I think it, secretly a lot of these culture critics. When I mean now, now I'm getting into like cycle babble here, but I think secretly they they want to be a part of a succession. They want to live that lifestyle. There, it's oh, not. Oh yeah, because succession's the new entourage. Yeah, for them. <laughs> yeah, and I think they, they 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 there's an admiration for for being that rich, and yet. <laughs> Because, you know, I, I know a lot my feeling is that the reason why Red Rocket got so shitted on, and maybe this is the same reason why No Hard Feelings got shitted on, because these main characters are poor or they're struggling economically. And, you know, when you, you, you're dealing with like these characters who are, you know, not part of like a cosmopolitan society, then they're considered just deemed dirty or, you know, or, you know, crappy or more morally corrupted or something but you know what's kind of funny this is this is kind of like our criticism of creed 3 <laughs> yeah it's exactly. we're like why we're, we're, we all kind of like we're very puzzled why do people love creed 3 so well, much it's just rich. like about this like rich spoiled brat <laughs> well creed is rich there's no and- stakes to the movie <laughs> Creed is fucking rich and and he has like a, a he's like he's like Puff Daddy he's you know and I think it, secretly Creed is these, basically entourage yeah and secretly I think a lot of these film critics just love that lifestyle they want to be part of that lifestyle they want to be part of that Hollywood lifestyle so they don't they 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 see especially in 
in secession, that is part of the kind of what makes it so a satirical jab at it. They're not, they're not, you know, but they, I don't think people are taking in the, the, you know, the subtext of it, you know, like this is actually, oh, this, these are people who never take the subtext of any show, <laughs> but the, these, these, you know, these people in succession are not people to celebrate. These are people you should like, you know, actively just, re, you know, have this revolting uh, sense of, of who they are. You know, you should totally deject this people yet. It's very easy to, have that feeling for someone in Red Rocket or even no hard feelings because, you know, they're struggling. You know, you know, Jennifer Lawrence's character is struggling. She she needs a, a car. She's she's an Uber driver. So who you know, like fuck her. Who cares about her? Right. So I think that's the I don't know. And maybe I'm 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 I, I, I'm ranting. I don't know. But I, 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 don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, <laughs> also also there's a lot of different type of critics and I have, you know, seen some critics just complain about you no know, hard feelings that they just thought it was a little too tame <laughs> that's they us. thought the movie could have they, they no but i've seen other i've seen other critics also though mm. say that they thought the movie was a little too tame i saw a lot some critics say that they thought the movie could have um taken things a bit further so, i heard one particular critic i won't say who but i mean i mean <laughs> I, a, a scott man said that he thought the movie uh played it too safe oh, and they okay. could have taken it further okay okay yeah, yeah yeah i agree i agree i heard one critic and i won't say the who said this, but I think you would know it. But the person who said this, they loved No Hard Feelings because it was anti-woke. <laughs> that could be anyone. <laughs> yeah. I, go, I go, well, that's one take. I, I, I <laughs> Apparently just being, you know, anti the, you know, have, you know, just showing like kind of the differences between the generations. That's like, I guess, an anti-woke, oh, anti-woke movie. That's... I don't know. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about the next uh, best anti woke movie uh, <laughs> that we saw this week. We need to get a woke meter. We got to see how much woke does this movie have. The best, the best anti woke movie we saw, and probably what best movie we saw what was this? this past weekend was Ex- Extraction Two. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't watch it. Well, if, if you saw number one, I could even say this is better. This is all action. I, you know what? Talk Brent, about action, per- Jackson, <laughs> action, Jackson, Chris Hemsworth. That's what he goes. I would say personally, I like tr- Extraction One more, mm. but Extraction Two had some of the best kind of sequences, action sequences mm-hmm. I've seen in a long time. Now I haven't seen the latest John Wick movie. I still ha- I gotta watch yeah. it. So I might I might be you know it might be, you know it might rank down to number two, but so mm-hmm. far, it has some of the best action sequences and or stunt sequences that I've seen in a very long time. Uh, Extraction Two, and uh, people are catching on. People are. Uh, it's a big hit on Netflix, and I think, I think maybe with Extraction, there were not. You know, I don't know. Maybe they had like, oh, it's a fun movie. But I think with Extraction Two, it now has kind of joined the ranks of John Wick, and I think John Wick fans and Extraction fans are could be the same in the same bubble or the same kind of type of uh, demographic. It is, I would say it's very simple. It's much more simple than yeah. the first movie. It's almost like a one shot. It's, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a 20 minute one shot scene in the movie. Uh, most of the movie is really just takes place in like within like two or three hours. So it's very simple. Uh, I think in the, well, actually the beginning of the movie starts off over a couple months as, as we see that, uh, Tyler Rake is that his character's name? 
Right. Uh, so this is a this is Chris Hensworth's starring vehicle, and it's also it definitely setting up for a, a, a another sequel at the end. So it's I think they announced that that, that there's a uh, extraction a franchise three. born. Yeah. yeah. So Tyler Rake in in the first movie he was he we think he he, he might have died. In this movie, they explained that no, he's not dead. <laughs> he's just now. Well, they hinted that he was still alive. At the yeah, end, yeah, they made the a little one. bit of like kind of an Easter egg at the end. Well, he kind of, yeah, he was in the pool, right? Something about the pool. Like, was that a ghost or was that him? Anyway, yeah. so this one, they really kind of go back to that moment where he, where he kind of died. Well, what we think he dies in the first movie. And then we see over a couple of months, his, he rehabs, he's doing rehab. And then from there on, once he gets that one mission to come back, he's like, comes, you know, he's, we think he's retired. He thinks he's retired, but he, he gets that one mission to come back. He's called back into action. And then from then on, it's like one, almost one take through the whole, you know, multiple <laughs> one takes throughout the whole movie. And so it's a very simple movie. I, I enjoyed it immensely. I think if you're a John Wick fan, you would definitely love this stuff. If you're a Raid fan or you're, you know, one of those kind of uh, type of action films. Action junkie. Yeah. You know, one of those kind of type of action films where you love that kind of stuff. This is perfect for you. And I think it's doing very well for Netflix. So they have, they might have a franchise here for them. Mm-hmm. No, no, they definitely do. And it's definitely anti-woke. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just talk about the bear real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the bear season two, they just released season two. And it's, I think it's, it's one of the best shows around, man. Uh, and I mm-hmm. was shocked because. The first season, and for those people who don't know what the bear is, it's basically set in Chicago. It's set around this family business of a, a what, what initially was a kind of a sandwich shop. Season two takes into turning the sa- sandwich shop into a fine dine restaurant. <laughs> and when they ended season one with that idea that they're going to close down the shop and turn it into a fine dine restaurant, I go, that's so stupid. I love this mm-hmm. kind of small you know, you know, like sandwich shop. I love that kind of, uh, the minutia of that. Why are they trying to turn it into a fine dining restaurant? I think you're going to ruin it. And I was completely wrong. I thought that, that the way the, this move, this, this, uh, you know, season two turned out to be, uh, different than the first season, Mm -hmm. but uh, much more, uh, more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. Uh, you got one, some of the great performances. I mean, like Rich, like we were saying that you got uh, um, Eben Moss Bacharach, yeah, who was had a small part in No Hard Feelings. He is the standout. I would say he's the standout uh, supporting actor in this part in this in the series, rather. Your and cousin. He, he's the cousin. He's cousin Richie. It's it's spearheaded by a, a, an actor named Jeremy Allen White, who's from Shameless. He is mm-hmm. the main chef who who's, runs the family business. Carmen, uh, otherwise known as Carmen. He plays Carmen. You got, in this season, you got more uh, Abby Elliott, who was a former SNL uh, cast member. She's now mm. an actress. She's also the... the <laughs> Surprise, because now she's fully pregnant, you could tell. And then <laughs> she was hardly in episode one, but, uh, I mean, uh, season one. Yeah. But uh, this scene, uh, in this season, she's practically in every episode. Yeah, she's very, and she's very good. She's also mm-hmm. better known as uh, uh, the daughter of Chris Elliott, the, the comedian. Um, she plays Carmen's sister, Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, 
Uh, who's the 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 the, the- Iowa? Uh- Ayo Adeberry, who um, is going to be next in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, one of her voices, but she plays Sydney. She plays Sydney, the kind of the the sous chef who uh, mm-hmm. well, just works under. She's, yeah, yeah, she just works under Carmen. She works uh, so she and she's the and again she is much more of a, a part of this season. Uh, she was because she was a major part in the first season too. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah. What's your thoughts, uh, Rich? Did you have like me, did you thought that there was maybe the wrong decision to go to the fine dining thing? But uh, no, because I, um, uh, I, I, they also mentioned that that they wanted to do us. They wanted to have a section uh, where right. they would still be able to to uh, do norm their uh, sandwiches, you know, for their normal customers, right? right. And and but um, yeah, I didn't expect it to be that much of a change. But they they did go a totally different direction with the the fine dining. I didn't expect it to be that much fine dining in, involved. Did you? But yeah. Did you like this episode, this season, more than the first, or, did, or what's your thoughts on that? I think I did because um, in this season, well, in the first season, uh, the the first season was mostly focused on Carmi, of course, uh, uh, Car- uh, uh, Jeremy Allen White, mm-hmm. and in this season. It was um, focused on every uh, every cast member, and every cast member, you know, is, um, has a great story involved. In, yeah, in, in, there's so. a lot of individual standout or standalone episodes where they focus on one character. Like, for instance, uh, cousin Richie uh, gets his own episode. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, everyone involved usually um, will probably get an episode. Or they, and they also, have, they, also, go ahead. Um, also. Um, who who also got a lot of play this season compared to last season is Oliver Platt who mm-hmm. plays Uncle Jimmy. He's here for and I love seeing him come back again in a big show because I know he was in NBC for some other crappy uh, um, hospital show. I don't know what it was, but uh, it's good to see him in a hit show. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and um, it's funny because we know this is a hit show because season two is filled with A list cameos. I yes, won't, I won't give it away. But you know, last season uh, uh, we had John Barenthal, who plays the 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 dearly departed brother. He comes back in a flashback scene. He's mm-hmm. back in another flashback scene here, or fa- actually a flashback episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, everyone's talking about this episode. It's the kind of the the Christmas uh, uh, dinner scene or dinner dinner episode filled with a bunch of uh, A listers. So yeah, it's I was, most likely going to be the Emmy nominated um, <laughs> episode. Of uh, the uh, the FYC for your consideration <laughs> and episode but, and delivered but, to everybody. But watching all those kind of surprising uh, celebrity cameos or whatever you want to call it or supporting character uh, guest appearances, I f- I go oh man this this show is really taking off and people are mm-hmm. are are watching it and people are loving it and people are respecting it. Because I'm sure none of these A-list actors are getting paid a lot of money. They're probably just mm-hmm. doing it because they really love the show and yeah. wanted to be a part of it and be part of season two. Um, yeah, I was really, really impressed by it. I think the, the, the main thing I got out of season two was that they really made me understand that cooking is a trade. You know, mm-hmm. like it's more of a trade than anything else. You learn from other people how to cook. And I never got that from any of the kitchen nightmares <laughs> as reality <laughs> shows, but 
or anything from Gordon Ramsay or any of these kind of cooking shows. I never got out of the idea that, yeah, this is actually a trade and this is a profession where you have to train other people and pass that knowledge down from people to people, no matter where you come from. And I thought that is such a fascinating uh, I, uh, part of, 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 of this season, season two, but also of this kind of world that they live in. Uh, yeah. that, I thought that was the kind of the best thing about it, that, yeah, people are, are learning about this trade and learning about how to cook and they're learning from other people who know better than them. And it's done by respect and it's done by repetition and it's done by also failing and learning from, and learning lessons from, from failing. And I thought all that was great. So I, I, I mean, the, the way I, I, I talk about bear, it seems like maybe this is more a academic kind of show, but no, this is like a intense kind of gritty psychological at times but also very darkly comic. I think this is some, uh, so, you know, there's really some funny moments in the, in the, in the show, but I, you know, I was really impressed. I binged the whole se- season two this weekend. It was just released. And so, man, it was just an incredible show. Yeah. Surprisingly, it, it, it um, they re- they released it once again, um, the whole season, similar to the first season, but the first season <laughs> was, was like, all word of mouth. I mean, yeah. it, 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 I mean they, they didn't they didn't promote it at all. The only and, reason uh, I watch start watching the bear was because I heard uh, another. You know, I was listening to a podcast that talks about TV shows, mm-hmm. and they were kind of coming up and saying that uh, they saw a couple the first couple of episodes of the bear, and it's really really good. Everyone should check it out. And I go oh, okay because mm-hmm. I remember seeing like maybe one TV spot or whatever. Or a, a trailer, and I'm like, oh, what, whatever. I, I don't know what the hell this is. But it really was that kind of that word of mouth that maybe sit down and watch it, and I just started watching it. You know, I'm like, oh shit, this is this is fantastic. This is a great show. I love. Yeah, what and the this first season, doing. the first season also was, um, most of the episodes were 30 minutes or less yeah. or whatever. This season, a lot of them uh, went over 30 minutes, uh, and especially the the special one. But yeah, um, uh, but uh, it still went quick for me anyway. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's well, how good the show is. And let me ask you about, Rich, let me ask you about this, because this is created by a guy named Christopher Storer. Mm-hmm. He was, and at, at, before the, the Bear, he was mostly known as a producer. He produced some TV shows. I think he produced Rami. Or okay, Ra- that explains Ra- it. Rami, Rami, um, who, and Rami, um, the comedian Rami, oh, what's his last name? Yusuf, Yusuf. Mm-hmm. He actually uh, directs an episode, one of the one of the better episodes in this uh, uh, this series, in this new season, the the Danish episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically the writer director. You know, there's a couple other uh, writers who wrote for the individual, you know, episodes in the season. But it's basically he's the writer director. He's the main vision, right? Now, there's a lot of talk about in the writer's strike that they need to beef up the writer's room. Now, I think that might hurt a, a show like this. If, there, if, he ha- if Christopher Storer has to have a big writer's room, and I think, and obviously, that's going to be up to the writers to, you know, to ne- negotiate between and come up with the right number. But they were, yeah. I, they were coming I mean, up. They were saying that they needed, I forgot, I don't know what the exact number, but they wanted more writers in the writer's room. And I think this show 
is app maybe be maybe it'd be a may have may may be worse for for if they have a bigger writer's room you know you yeah, lose I've that always kind been, of well go ahead, go ahead i've always been i've always been a, a you know of a of a, a, a you know a yaysayer of if it ain't broke don't fix it <laughs> so i mean it so christopher store if he's writing it and he's and he and if he's you know he pump, if he's pumping it out and if he doesn't need no help don't don't interrupt well, him. I, I mean I, I should say that he has let the, the let the wave right finish well i'm, I'm saying I mean, that he does now, have multiple writers in in the yeah world. he has i mean it, it's obvious that they have, he has staff writers right I mean, and they I mean, get credited in each episode mm-hmm. some of the you know he has at least like maybe three or four but you know well, now the, he has chat gpt <laughs> <laughs> no but i'm saying with um the writer's strike one of the negotiations is to have a bigger writer's room and a movie or a show like the bear. I don't think it needs that big of a writer's room. Now I could be wrong. And Christopher Starr may be saying, no, I need actually more writers. So that's, that's his uh, prerogative to think that way. But I'm just saying, if you have, I think it's obviously when you're dealing with uh network television, yes, yeah. you know, writer, more well, writers are better because you're dealing well, with obviously, more. Obviously, Obviously, once he once the bear becomes a hit, they obviously the the studio is going to go um to Christopher Starr and say, "Do you have anything else? Or you have any spinoffs? And you have you have anything? You have anything else in in the works so that we could we could mm-hmm. you know put you know put out there? And uh, obviously, he could he could like um you know do the first two three episodes of that mm-hmm. and have other writers take that over, right? Right, right. I, I mean, but, and maybe there's stipulations that they could bring up. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying that I don't know if every TV show needs to have a big writers' room to be successful. And I think Bear is an example of that. You're, you know, don't even think about Bear. Think about like the White Lotus, where where uh, Chris yeah. Chris um, uh, what's his name? Oh shit, Chris um, White. Mike White. Mike White. I'm sorry. Mike White. You know, Mike White is the sole voice. You know, he writes and directs that series. Mm-hmm. He directs all the episodes, writes all the episodes. Does he need a big writer's room? And I think you lose. Well, how, his- about your, how about your guys' other favorite show, uh, Yellowstone? Does that have a big writer's room? Well, now he does because he's got 20 shows. <laughs> he has 20 like, shows. So, yeah. But so, he, but he's another one who's been like uh, t- Taylor, Taylor Sheridan. He's another one who's been writing all his stuff. And I think he actually mentioned something about this in his interview recently mm-hmm. and that's why i bring it up um he's a, a guy who doesn't necessarily wants big writer's room and i think i think there's there's certainly an argument to for certain shows certain network shows to have big writer's rooms but i think not all writer's rooms or not all tv shows need big writer's rooms and i think well not all tv shows are written like tv shows that's but true taylor sheridan has is, is not a fresh fish He's been in this business for forever, so he's been—I mean, he's been an actor for the longest time, and then he just recently started to be um, a, a writer director. And so, um, if he's used to it, let him let him do. I mean, yeah, just put more coals on the fire, mm-hmm. keep the fire going. <laughs> and I would say, I would say that another example of this is Beef, which is the Netflix series that came out earlier this year with. Uh, Stephen Young and Ali Ali Wong, mm. and then mm-hmm. that's another show that doesn't have many writers, but 
I mean, has a few writers on the writers' room, but mostly it's 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 spearheaded by the by the creator um, Lee Sung Jin, mm-hmm. and I think it's you know again I think these show I think as as I to me I TV shows are becoming more like movies where they have yeah. this singular or or this one visionary voice, and I I'm all for it, and I think if you add a bigger writers' room, then you're turning it into something like Marvel. Or you're turning it to mm-hmm. something like those franchises films that have well, been that's been kind of ruined films, and that's my fear. But I don't know. Maybe but there, some, there's also there's also so there's some you know those gems that actually work, which is similar to Bill Lawrence's shows. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. Also obviously has other uh, you know he obviously uh, works with act other writer actors, and then mm-hmm. uh, it works. He knows as long as he's steering the ship, mm-hmm. he'll he'll. He'll, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, it'll the thing will float. The the thing will uh, drive. I mean, let the wind carry them. <laughs> yeah, mean, I, that, that, I, I, I don't know, and I should, I should actually should have read up on it before I brought this up because I don't, I don't know the exact number they're asking for, but um, I don't know. I think uh, it's up to the creator, the showrunner, to come up with the right number for what what that person thinks the writer's room should be. Uh, anyway, that's another discussion. Anyway, so yeah. uh, Bear season two is out. It's on Hulu or FX Hulu, and it's fantastic. Go check it out. Also, go check out Beef. Also, check out uh, the Taylor Sheridan shows and uh, all those other ones that we talked about. All right, that concludes this episode of Inside Flicks. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next t- next time and. Um, yeah, we'll help. we'll come up with other stuff to talk about. All right. We got to go. Bye-bye everyone.